0: This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine.
1: And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lappin.
0: The helpline is open. Working with your family can be amazing. Unless there's a fight at work, which can turn work into the old who controls the remote fight from Thanksgiving. So how do you fix it? You need your family to stop acting... Well, exactly like a family. How? Today, I talked to someone who reached out for help in this exact scenario. Here he is. Charles Chicalo, welcome to Help Wanted. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So you reached out to me with a question about how to separate work from family, which is something that you were dealing with at work. Why don't you tell me more about that?
2: I primarily work in an e-commerce business. It's the function of an online branch of my dad's retail stores. Around 35 years ago, my dad came to this country as a refugee and established a bunch of retail stores across New York and New England, Connecticut and Massachusetts be particular. And about seven years ago, I was in college and my two other brothers were about to enter college. We said, you know what, we have to get started with something within our lives. I was originally planning on going to law school. So with two years left to college, I said, let's give this thing a shot. We poured our life savings into this online business. And thankfully, it grew. Instead of turning on the heat, we uh, just wore extra layers. Okay. We really bootstrapped this thing. My dad said, listen, you can use the name, but I'm not giving you a penny. He was sort of that entrepreneurial cheerleader. A tough entrepreneurial cheerleader. Totally. And from a very young age. I mean, it goes back to my first job was at 10 years old, working for my grandfather in a greenhouse. I got paid like $10 a day.
0: By the way, these are the stories that you often hear from the most successful entrepreneurs. Mark Cuban tells a version of this where he wanted something. I can't remember what it was. And his dad said, well, then you can earn enough money to get it. And so Mark started going door to door, selling whatever it was that he sold. And he learned how to do it and built upon those skills for the rest of his life. And now he's Mark Cuban. Yes. <laughs>
2: so, I mean, it goes back to that. and. Thankfully we built it to a place where, you know, we have our own warehouse now and actually multiple locations. So the e-comm operation really built its way up. We had a decent amount of success and 2022 actually had a decline. We didn't make what we thought we would be making. In our annual assessment of the prior year, we were brainstorming different causes of how it ended up being that way. And, My brothers, who are my formal partners, thought idea A, and my dad, who's not a formal partner, but definitely an advisory partner and somebody who has a lot more retail experience than anyone we can ever have access to, his word is taken at a very, very high degree of respect. So dad and two brothers are for idea A. I'm thinking idea B. Formally, I guess I'm outvoted even though we don't really function like that sort of corporate structure where sure. there's a board there's of directors There's not an official vote or anything. Right. But, but
0: just to be clear, on your team, you are the sole opposing force.
2: I'm alone, yeah. And after all, they're my brothers, they're my dad. I love them, they love me, but I vehemently disagreed with them. So it was in separating what happens at work stays at work and then you know having dinner together a few hours after a huge disagreement.
0: So it's been a while since you were outvoted. And what's happened since then? The company has been executing the strategy that you disagreed with.
2: And frankly, it worked. Oh. (laughs) It worked. Thankfully, our company is on a great trajectory for 2023. And you know, thank God. I mean, it, it worked and I'm happy it did. So not only was I outvoted, I was actually tasked with taking action on their ideas. And I did that. I said, you know what? I'm outvoted. We're a democracy. We're a loving family. I'm gonna continue and I'm gonna oblige just as we've discussed. And I did. I did it to the best of my ability. I did it with, you know, a little bit of a flair just because I didn't agree with what I was doing, but I said, I'm gonna go with the motions for now.
0: You didn't try to tank it. You didn't say because I disagree with this, I'm gonna do a crappy job at this.
2: I mean, there was a part of me that said, Yeah, tank it, but that was all emotional. I try to isolate those impulsive reactions that entirely have to do with emotion. I sort of try to distance myself or isolate that and then make a logical decision.
0: So why did you reach out to me? Because it sounds like you knew exactly what to do here. You understood that you can't call every shot, that you have to put the relationship and the shared goals over any individual disputes about how to get there. You understood very well, which I think is something that people lose sight of, that even though you all disagreed on what to do, you shared the ultimate objective of doing well by the company and doing well by the family. There was never any confusion about that. So is there something that's still lingering inside of you throughout this experience? Sure. There's a few things. I mean, we keep on obviously running into this issue
2: because we're all three individual men. and. Don't always have the same opinion. And you know, it's a roadblock that that keeps on coming up. There are constant disagreements. In thankfully, all cases, we worked it out very respectfully and amicably. And then there's also the lingering thought of, hey, what about idea B? I still want to implement idea B instead of idea A. Or not instead of in addition to.
0: Just to be clear, they're not mutually exclusive. You could do both. That is correct.
2: It's just, it's a matter of my focus. Is it spread across idea A and B, or is it, or do I just stay focused on idea A? Because to be honest, idea A worked. I think idea A and B is better, though.
0: Ah, so this is interesting because I was going to ask you, how do you feel about being wrong? (laughs) Because what you're thinking here is their idea was right, but your idea could still be right.
2: That's correct. That is absolutely right.
0: Why don't they want to explore your idea too?
2: They think mastering their initiatives is the first step to taking on mine. So they're saying, I want to run, but they're saying, master crawling first. Then oh. we can walk, then you can run.
0: And what do you think about that? That doesn't sound unreasonable.
2: Yeah, but I'm saying this is part of learning how to walk. I'm thinking maybe in this year's annual review, do I bring up, okay, now we're ready for idea B? Or really any other disagreement for that matter. I feel like there's sort of a limited supply of patience where you disagree with family members and it starts to rupture the family relationship. It's in what idea do I reinforce in myself that there is a light at the end and everybody's ideas will be sufficiently implemented or given the
0: attention they deserve. Do you guys have... What you would feel like is a defined structure of who's in charge, when, and where, and a roadmap of when things happen because the way that you're talking makes it feel like what you've got here is a kind of constant decision by consensus or a decision by working it out amongst you all. And you know when you introduced your dad, into all this, you said, well, he's not technically a partner, but his word is very valued. It all sounds a little amorphous to me. And I wonder if, as you're trying to feel through these challenges, part of what you're running into is that there's no clear, very specific decision-making process that could govern the way that you all act with each other.
2: There's nothing written in writing. I think I probably alluded to it earlier how we don't really function with a board of directors and that whole bureaucracy. I mean, the way that the roles are divided up is really by skill set. I'm more administrative. I had an inclination towards the legal field, so all that stuff is really my department. I'm also more technically abled than my brothers, so anything technical comes to my desk. My other brother's skill set is warehousing and logistics and my other brother is merchandising. So it's really whatever skill set happens. Now, if any partner feels like they're about to take something on that rises to the level of we need unanimity or we need to at least inform the others, then they bring it up. It's totally up to their discretion. There's no sort of thing in writing or any plan of action that we fall back on. It's just a matter of just use your common sense. If you feel that others need to be involved, involve them.
0: I like this. But I have to say that there's part of me that doesn't like it. And the reason for this is because you're running into these lingering questions that no system or pre agreed upon path are really addressing, right? Like that you all are functionally the leaders within your domains makes all the sense in the world. I remember the closest I've ever come to working with family in the way that you are doing. And this was a much smaller version of this was that I wrote a novel with my wife many years ago. It was a romantic comedy. It's called Mr. Nice Guy in case anyone wants to check it out. And we have been asked a bazillion times, how did we do that without killing each other or at least getting divorced? And the answer that we came up with was distinct roles and responsibilities. We knew... Basically, who was the CEO of a particular kind of decision? So, if it was a question of character development, for example, it was generally Jen, my wife, who had the final say over this because she has an MFA in fiction. She's written novels before. She knows how to do that in a way that I don't. But if it was a decision about let's say, so like it was set in the media world. And so if there was a kind of logic to how something would happen in this universe, then we would really defer to my judgment because I've spent my career in the media world. And so we knew always we would have disagreements and then we knew whose domain it was and therefore who to ultimately defer to. And without that, I think it would have felt like chaos because somebody has to make a decision. And you generally have that within operations, like when it gets down to the operational level. But what you don't seem to have is any kind of system for what happens for decisions that go above the operational level, right? Because what you're just counting on is that you'll all come to some kind of agreement. And the crazy thing is, Charles, that it happened, it worked, you had a disagreement, you were the odd person out. You understood that you had to set your ego aside and execute for the good of the company and the family. You essentially said, instead of agreeing to disagree, I'm going to disagree and commit, which is a great management system. And yet, the problem lingers. And the problem lingers because you're a human being. And human beings aren't actually just cogs and systems. And so now you're sitting around and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm really happy with what happened. The company is more successful as a result of a thing that I disagreed with, but I could still be right. And the things that I want to do are (laughs) still good. (laughs) right? And that's fine. That's great. That means you're a human being. But the problem is that you guys don't really have a system for what to do with that.
2: That's just about right. And we also have somewhat of a... Phobia, or a, what is it? A restraint against binding ourselves to anything that we don't have to, especially if it's not time pressing.
0: I just want to say that I've heard that in the way I've heard that in the way that you keep describing the company, right? Like you said, like twice, you're like, oh, we don't have a board of directors. Ah, oh, we don't have, you know, like, oh, we don't have this bureaucracy, which is great in some ways. But what you've also done is eliminated systems that are designed for exactly these kinds of purposes, right?
2: Yeah. And, you know, just from our personalities and the way the company functions, I can't see ourselves, let's say, abiding by a written agreement. I mean, I can see my family laughing that off.
0: And you don't need that. Maybe you don't need that. Systems don't have to look the same for everybody. And you guys are family. So you're not just sitting down at designated times in designated places. You're probably talking about work all the time.
2: And that's a different issue. The wives hate it. Right, right. <laughs>
0: I could totally understand that. So, you're not going to formalize those kinds of things. That doesn't make sense. But it makes me wonder what else could be formalized that would make some sense. I'll give you an example. You pursued option A and it worked out. And you're now holding on to option B. And your brothers and your dad are not saying, Option B is a terrible idea, we should never do it, right? Instead, actually, they're giving you this frustrating, like, oh, we'll get there, we'll get there, we need to do other things first. But when? Do you have benchmarks for when Option B would get executed? Because if not, that sounds like a good system to build into, right? Maybe not, hey, is it time to think about this? Rather, maybe it's, okay, I think we all agree Option A was a great idea. We all seem to agree Option B can work too. What we don't seem to have is any idea of when option B gets executed, which means that you guys keep saying, oh, later, later, and I keep saying now, now. So what if we have some benchmarks? When we reach X in revenue, when we reach X in growth, that will be the time to execute option B. Can we agree to that? Let's figure out what that looks like so that when we get there, we know. And that means that they feel in control of the roadmap, and you feel like you're being heard, and that there is some moment in time, a defined moment in time, when you're actually going to get to do the damn thing that you want to do.
2: That, I can not get to. And while I'm playing it out in my head, I'm thinking, we're in this meeting, all four of us, and I say, but when? Yeah. And then I can imagine the response being, we'll figure it out, yeah. instead, of, <laughs> instead of 2025. Now but I guess I'd have to insist.
0: And that's been the answer. And that's the reason you're so frustrated. I think like what you just said there actually is a perfect encapsulation of where your frustration is. Because when they say, we'll figure it out, whose terms now are these decisions being made on?
2: I guess the answer would be
0: theirs. the board. (laughs) We'll figure it out as theirs. Because your answer would be now, right? (laughs) Right. And their answer is like, ah, some other time. So even though your answer of now is not pleasing to them. It is specific in a way that theirs is not. You're trying to take control. You say now. Now is a controlling idea. I'm going to do this now. When? Now. But they're saying, we'll figure it out. Some other point. There'll be some other conversation. Something else has to happen. That is not an answer. That's the absence of an answer. And because there is an absence of an answer, only they now can create the answer, which is incredibly frustrating and that's why you're frustrated. And that's so it. we need to replace, right? And this goes back to so now let's just hit pause on that and like now reapply that to what i was saying a minute ago about systems. You don't need to operate like your PepsiCo or something, right? With layers of bureaucracy and middle management or whatever. You're not that company. But systems aren't one specific thing. Systems are basically what do we need in place so that everyone knows what's going on? And that's going to be different for everybody. And I feel like what I'm hearing here is just a weakness in your organization because there is a lack of specifics about when things are going to happen so that everybody knows and can commit to the plan. Right now, there's no plan.
2: Yeah. And the way specifics are generally treated is why would I bind myself or limit myself ever? It's leave it open ended. I'll figure it out if I have to. Yeah.
0: yeah. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back.
1: Let's name some brilliant business partners who just get it done, shall we? Ben and Jerry, Procter and Gamble, me and Jason. Well, what about perfect business partners when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global e-commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow, whether you're selling something physical like bagels or in the service business and you're selling your time as a copy editor. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered and you can sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star on our show. We try to be the one-stop shop for entrepreneurs who want to take their business further, and that's exactly what Shopify does too we're basically twins. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash help wanted, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash help wanted now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash help wanted. You know, Jason, I wouldn't let just anyone be my co-host. Oh, no? No, I take very seriously who I bring onto my dream team. And that's why when I need to hire, I go to LinkedIn Jobs.
0: Well, you're not the only one. Two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring.
1: That's right, because LinkedIn has a network of more than a billion professionals. And you can find candidates that you can't find anywhere else. It's also so quick and easy. When you're running a business, you can't be a full-time recruiter, too. You're a full-time everything else. But with LinkedIn Jobs, you can post a job description in just a few clicks.
0: And did you know there's even an AI feature that can write the job description for you?
1: So brilliant. What a great time saver. And it's also my favorite price. Free? Free free 99.
0: Yes. I mean, if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you are looking in the wrong place.
1: Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash helpwanted.
0: That is linkedin.com slash helpwanted to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. Something I've been thinking a lot about recently, which is how we sometimes give ourselves too much choice. We like options. Everyone likes options. But the problem is that there's a thing called choice overload, which is if you have too much choice, you make no choice. And sometimes the thing that you need to do is just narrow your options, (laughs) like at least artificially, so that you can actually focus on a decision. So fine. They don't want to build in some kind of trigger where if we reach X dollars in revenue, then option B becomes executed. That maybe sounds too frightening to them. But if that doesn't work, can we create a trigger that feels a little more comfortable for everybody? Which is like, when we reach X in revenue, we will very seriously consider how to implement option B. Doesn't get triggered immediately, but now we're going to really talk about it. Right now, you guys don't even want to talk about it. You want to say, oh, later. But now we're going to really talk about it. Can we do that?
2: Right. I mean, that puts a huge degree of separation between a commitment and action. So if I say, all right, it's at this revenue threshold, we discuss this, not we implement it, that discuss becomes very comforting. They may yield and give in that commitment towards a conversation not in action, which is all feared or all (laughs) limiting or whatever like that. Right. So on that degree of freedom, I think is a perfect medium to meet at.
0: And I think that that's great because now you're building a system that's built for you all, right? Which is to say, it's taking into account how they think and what they're going to be comfortable with. And frankly, we know, I don't know your brothers and I don't know your dad, but based on the conversation we've had so far, if you talked them into some kind of binding thing and then that binding thing got triggered, what would they do? I'm going to guess they would be like, oh, well, I don't know about this. you know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I guess their answer would be like, we'll see when it gets triggered. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But then if you say this is going to happen when this gets triggered and then they don't go along with it, then the trigger meant nothing and then the focus is now on whether or not it should get triggered rather than on doing what you guys all seem to be comfortable doing which is talking things out and right now you know it's like i do not introduce this to be political but it's worth noting that like this kind of thing keeps playing out in national politics all the time there's many examples of this but we'll just bring up one which is that there will be a horrible shooting at a school at somewhere And then Democrats will say, this is a reason to talk about gun control. And then Republicans will say, this is exactly not the time to talk about, this is the wrong time to talk about gun control. And then Democrats will say, but when is the right time to talk about gun control? And there's no answer to that. And so we just go back and forth, or it's a loop that never gets resolved. And that's because you have two totally opposing forces that don't agree on the policy, obviously, but also can't even agree on how to have a conversation about the policy. And that's death. If you can't even agree on how to have a conversation over something, then nothing is going to get done. Now, you guys, as a family, don't have that problem. You agree to talk all the time. You do talk all the time. But funny enough, when there is a disagreement, what seems to be happening is that there is not actually an agreement on when to have a conversation about something, right? It gets kicked down. So why not formalize that? When is a good time to have this conversation? Which I think, frankly, is something that, as I think about it, like people who are in relationships should have this kind of thing built into their relationships, right? Like, when is a good time to talk about our future? You don't want to just like bring it up at random. Ah, uh, but like, you know what? Maybe every six months we talk about this. We're going to see where it goes. It's a reason to face it. And the answer that we will get in six months from now could be different from the one now. So let's just make sure we're having that conversation. I guess if you were to equate this to a relationship, you'd be able to call for a meeting at
2: any time. Obviously, we have a group chat, say, hey, we need to meet about this. Let's figure out a time. And we do. Just like you'd be able to meet up with your significant other. Now, if you want to discuss your future together, they'd be more of the partner of, let's take it slow. Instead of the, I want to get married in February. So any one of us can call a meeting and yes, everybody will treat that as a pretty important thing that, all right, we all have to meet together. There's a serious matter at hand and they'll give me the meeting, but it's in the implementation. That's where I guess a commitment factor has to be worked out.
0: Yeah, they'll give you the meeting, but they won't take the subject seriously because they feel like this conversation is exactly like that conversation. Because what has not been built into it is any new reason to have the meeting. So you have to add something to it. And the thing that you're going to add to it is their own agreement that now would be a good time to talk about this.
2: And I had achieved that through, hey, we met this threshold.
0: Yeah, that's right. Didn't we all agree that when we meet this threshold, we will have X, Y, and Z And it will be a much better time to have this conversation. Now that has happened. And here are now my updated thoughts on why we should take this very seriously. And we're now at the place that you guys said you would be comfortable with to do this. So let's do it. Or let's really consider it. Or let's figure out what it looks like to do it. Let's start coming up with a plan. Something. Something has to change. Something has to change the reason that you're talking about it and the way that you're looking at it. And I think that comes down to getting everybody on board with the idea (laughs) that this is worth talking about.
2: I think we've uncovered that in this
0: conversation. Yeah. Do you think that you can actually get them to it?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm too dedicated to idea B to let it go. I think it'll be transformative for our company. And not only that, it'll give us a degree of independence we've never had before. I guess to give some context to it, not to leave it too vague, instead of selling our goods just on different marketplaces that can basically shut us down whenever they want or take our data and run, we could be doing it on our own. There's no reason to solely rely on third parties. I mean, they have the customers. They're a lot stronger as far as getting your merchandise out there, but we're not a nobody and that's built an amazing business over the past decades.
0: And there's no reason why we should let that name go to waste. Sounds reasonable to me. Yeah. So what are you going to tell them to get them to commit to taking this seriously at some kind of benchmark?
2: I mean, I think I'd expose it the way it is. I would say, I think at the year-end meeting, depending on how we land, we're just about halfway through Q3. We're on a great trajectory. Let's see how Q4 comes out. And you know, in retail world, that's... Christmas all quarter long, as soon as I get the numbers, because you know I'm the numbers guy, I got the numbers I presented at our annual meeting. Hey, guys, here's how we did for the year. Let's talk. I would say, all right, guys, I brought this up last year. You shot me down. And I committed to what most of us agreed with. I didn't kamikaze anything. Let's discuss idea B. If they say no, I would say, all right we repaired wherever we fell short in 2022. When can we discuss idea B? And I think from there, I'll be at a position of, I'll be sort of on top as in, you can't turn me down again. The least you can do is give me a benchmark where we can discuss idea B. Not even implement, discuss. So not only did I remind them, I obliged to whatever they concluded. Not only did we actually capitalize on their idea that got us to a better place as a company. All I'm asking for is a commitment to talk about my idea. I think at least that much could be achieved.
0: I think that is very reasonable. You know, as a final thought here, I used this phrase a little bit earlier, which was disagree and commit. I feel like I should unpack that a little bit more. Are you familiar with that?
2: I think I've actually heard you say that before. <laughs> I have. It's not the first time. I've definitely heard it before, but I'm pretty sure it was from you.
0: Yeah. And I picked it up from my friend, Matt Gartland at Smart Paths of Income. And it's the way that he and his co-founder, Pat, Pat Flynn. make decisions. Yes, Pat Flynn. And so they very specifically, instead of agreeing to disagree, which I this really interesting, poll on LinkedIn where I asked people if they agree to disagree with people. And 80% said, yes, it's constructive. But Matt and Pat said, no, it's not constructive. You instead have to disagree and commit. Disagree and commit means that while a decision is being made, everybody involved is empowered to disagree and debate it, Right? which clearly you guys have no problem doing. But once (laughs) once a decision is made... Everyone's got to support it, which you did. So, why is this better? So, number one, it avoids what's called the consensus trap, which is where nobody agrees on something and therefore nothing gets done, right? Like, this is the challenge with trying to make decisions by consensus, which again, you guys seem to have been able to avoid by yourselves because even though one party disagreed, you were able to move forward. Number two, it focuses debate where it's most useful, which is at the beginning of the process, right? When you're trying to make a decision, not after the decision is made, because I'm sure we've all been in work situations where you make a decision and then everyone just kind of keeps debating and doubting the decision, which just completely unravels it. And then three, it creates a stronger team where people feel heard and decisions are born from debate and nobody's just sitting around waiting for someone else's idea to fail. Which by the way, out of curiosity, do you feel like this process here of idea A, idea B, we went with idea A, even though you disagreed, it worked. Has that been a good thing for you guys as a team? I don't think they even thought about it.
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't, but I never forgot it. So when I bring it back up, I can imagine myself being pictured as the, all right, the guy's not letting go of the past, the past, the past, leave it there. Or they can see it as, wow, he really believes
0: in it. Yeah. I'm going to read you a thing from a Jeff Bezos letter to shareholders, 2016, he writes, use the phrase disagree and commit. Jeff also likes this phrase. This phrase will save a lot of time. If you have a conviction on a particular direction, even though there's no consensus, it's helpful to say, look, I know we disagree on this, but will you gamble with me on it? Disagree and commit? By the time you're at this point, no one can know the answer for sure, and you'll probably get a quick yes. This is, well, that's probably not going to happen with your family, but anyway. (laughs) um, And he says, this isn't one way. If you're the boss, you should do this too. I disagree and commit all the time. We recently greenlit a particular Amazon Studios original. I told the team my view. Debatable whether it would be interesting enough, complicated to produce, the business terms aren't that good, and we have lots of other opportunities. They had a completely different opinion and wanted to go ahead. I wrote back right away with, I disagree and commit and hope it becomes the most watched thing we've ever made. Consider how much slower this decision cycle would have been if the team had actually had to convince me rather than simply get my commitment. Note what this example is not. It's not me thinking to myself, well, those guys are wrong and missing the point, but this isn't worth me chasing. It's a genuine disagreement of opinion, a candid expression of my view, a chance for the team to weigh my view, and a quick, sincere commitment to go their way. And given that this team has already brought home 11 Emmys, six Golden Globes, and three Oscars, I'm just glad they let me into the room at all. Now, I love that. And- Humbling. Yeah, it sure is. Because look, it's Jeff Bezos. People would have to listen to him if he put his foot down, but he's going a different direction with it. And I wonder if in the DNA of what he just described there is something that you bring to the table when you have this conversation, which is, look- I disagreed and committed to the plan. And that was a good decision because it was a good plan. And I executed it. We all executed it. And we got somewhere as a result. Now, I'm asking you for that same courtesy, which is for you to disagree and commit to me. I know you don't believe in this. I am very happy to find a time where you are more comfortable with it. Let's set a time. Let's set a benchmark where we say this is a reasonable thing that we all can pursue. And you may not be fully on board with this. You may think option A is all we need, but I disagreed and committed to you. And I think that you should disagree and commit to me as a starting point.
2: As a starting point, gotcha. What do you think? I mean, I'm happy it's recorded so I can actually uh, take it verbatim. But yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's unreasonable for somebody to say no, especially the way events unfolded the way what could have been beyond our control, I mean, the results happened to be positive. So given the way the results worked, given I guess the way everybody acted in the company was, hey, we want this thing to grow, to live, and we're gonna give it our all. It's all coming from the same place. I'm doing this not for myself, but the good of the company, as are they. So at least we'd be unified around that one common good. And once it's presented that way, I think there's not much to lose and only somewhat to gain. They can't turn me down if if it's presented in that way for sure.
0: Well, Charles, you're going to have to keep me posted and maybe come back on.
2: You know, it's my pleasure. You know it is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is, I don't have to make a hard sell here. Or at the very least, once option B is executed, got to know how it goes.
2: Are you kidding? I'll be screaming from the rooftops. I <laughs> won't be able to avoid no, you won't. how it goes. Now you won't. And we're connected on LinkedIn, <laughs> so you'll know all of that. But
0: <laughs> well, Charles, thank you so much for coming on Help Wanted. Thank you for having me. Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer.
1: And me, Nicole Lapin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance?
0: Oh, I didn't sign up for that.
1: All right. Well, talk to you soon. We'll be right back. back.